trying to steal my mood My crazy thoughts trying to kill my groove That's when I hear a voice Whisper through the noise That brings a bigger picture into view Whenever the clouds come to my mind I won't forget it's you who tells the sun to shine Every birthday, every night Every second thought about tomorrow's waking Father, good morning. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, good morning. God, you are so good, so gracious, so abundant in mercy. And you're so great, so mighty, so loving. Lord, you are you are the sustainer, our provider. You keep us, and we are kept in your word, Lord. And this morning, God, I ask that you just Lord, that you supernaturally make your word come together this morning, because I can't do it by myself, Lord. I need you to, to to speak this word to your people, Lord, and to show your people uh, what you want them to see this morning, because I believe it's important, God. I really believe it's important. Lord, your word says that we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, to your purpose, God. Lord, help us this morning to have a right relationship with you, a right relationship 
in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I bind up the works of darkness, all mind-binding, witchcraft, any kind of form of witchcraft. I bind, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And ask that your word would go forth, Lord God, with, with your might, by your spirit, go forth, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Good morning, Ted Lyon. Uh What a, an appropriate song. Wow. I've never heard that song before, but I was... I was listening to the, trying to listen to all the words, and um, yeah, <laughs> there was a part of my message I was just finishing up, and I'm asking, I'm sitting here asking God, Lord, do you want this part in here? And I just have to, like I do most of the time, if not all the time, have to completely just trust on Him when He's putting a, a message, a word together. Um, times when I begin, He gives me a thing. Here or a word there or uh, an idea here, and he and he he begins to lead me. His spirit begins to lead me to putting it together, and I'm and I have to stop and go back and and make sure that I I put this together where it gives God glory and and it's about Him and it's and it's effective. And I and I at the end of it when I'm done, I have to trust God. I really have to trust Him to give this word because somebody needs to hear what He has to say this morning. Amen. See, our relationship to God is seen by our orientation on Jesus as Lord. Our relationship to God is seen by our orientation to Jesus as Lord. Jeremiah 1.10 was the first scripture God gave me, along with some other ideas and, and some visions and some things he, he allowed me to see. And in Jeremiah 1.10, it says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Okay, God. So we've seen that. We've been seeing the, the warfare in the spirit, the intercession, the moving of God's prophets and priests and ministers um, across the nation and most likely across the world uh, by the obedience of, of headliners and, and, of course, probably many others who have been obeying and moving in the spirit as God called them, as God uh, sent them. And so I look up the word orientation and I see that it's a noun and it's defined as the determination of the relative position of something or someone, especially oneself. The relative physical position or direction of something. Uh, familiarization with something. A person's basic attitude, beliefs, or feelings in relation to a particular subject or issue. <clears throat> and some of the synonyms that I read here are Attitude, inclination, direction, aim, intention, adaptation, adjustment, familiarization, acclimate my acclimatization, settling in, positioning, location, position, situation. Lie, as in laying, bearing, angle, placement, direction, alignment, emplacement, locating, and situating. These are all synonyms, the word orientation. Now, God said to me, he was talking to me, and he said, many people believe that the life they live is lived in a physical body, which may or may not have experiences, a number of experiences of spiritual moments. Many people be believe that the life they live is lived in a physical body with any number of spiritual moments. But actually, the life we live is as spiritual people. And as a spiritual people, or as a spirit, this life we live is just a brief moment in a physical body. 
See, we are spirits living in a physical body, and it's just for a moment. It's our human condition. And so I bring you back to the word orientation. And God was telling me about uh, our about our timely reality, our reality and time, timely reality. And in the midst of the witchcraft chaos that has unfolded this year in 2020, in the midst of uh, natural phenomenon, in the midst of uh, we might call hardship or travail or warfare, or contention, or whatever, turmoil in this year. There's a hidden work that's being pushed that many are calling a great reset. And if you notice what is on the other side of that reset appears to be a new way of life. It appears to be a new normal. Uh, It appears that there's a new reality that's being uh, presented. A reality where after the, the quote-unquote reset attempt, the intent is an overall dependency on someone or something for all of our needs. And by needs, I do mean uh, physical, emotional, spiritual, everything. But I only mention that in order to call it out and to bind it up as a work of the flesh. I bind it up as a hidden work of darkness. I, I rebuke and I bind it in Jesus' name. All the, the bands of mind control, all the intent of the spirits of fear being sent out, all the lying spirits attempting to deceive, I bind up. And all the other supporting spirits, I bind them up together and I rebuke them in Jesus' name. Your works, devil, and schemes and all the power put behind it have been removed and shut off. In the name of Jesus. Tendency is and should be always on the Lord Jesus. He saves and he saved to the uttermost. Jesus is quoted in the text when he recognized that people would follow him because of the miracles he did. And because he gave them food and provided. He knew when people were curious about seeing a miracle but had no interest in the eternal kingdom he was preaching and inviting people to come into. He recognized when people saw that you know, they were just trying to clamor at, 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 at getting a glimpse of something, some phenomenon, some, some crazy moment that they've never seen before. And he recognized who was desperate and who was in need. And those are the ones that he came to seek and to save. Sometimes, as a part of our human condition, our perspectives and our our perspectives are underdeveloped, and in, in sometimes in our human condition, sometimes our perspective is corrupt, and it can get the better of us. Especially in the establishment, the Christian establishment, perspective gets people in trouble. This is uncovered by Jesus when he describes some churches to John, and we read it in. The, the revelation of Christ in the first few chapters where Jesus is describing a message to, to seven specific churches. Sometimes we begin to walk with God oriented on Christ as we have to come through Christ in order to be reconnected to God. But then as time goes on, our gaze gets averted somehow. I want to bring your attention to Jeremiah, chapter 1, in the Amplified. I'm going to read from the Amplified. You can read from your version, but I'm going to read Jeremiah 1. <laughs> the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. It came to Jeremiah also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, continuing until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and continuing until the exile of the people of Jerusalem in the fifteenth in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and approved of you, 
as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a young man. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a young man, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them or their hostile faces. For I am with you always to protect you and deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, hear me. I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to uproot and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north, its mouth about to pour out on the south on Judea. And the Lord said to me, out of the north, the evil, which the prophets foretold as a result of national sin, will reveal itself and spill out on all the people of the land. For behold, I will call all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, and they will come and each one will set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem and against all its surrounding walls, all the cities of Judah. And my judicial act, As my judicial act, the consequences of Judah's deliberate disobedience, I will speak my judgments against them for all the wickedness of those who have abandoned, rejected me, offered sacrifices or burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the idolatrous works of their own hands. But you, Jeremiah, gird up your loins in preparation. Get up and tell them all which I command you. Do not be distraught and break down at the sight of their hostile faces, or I will bewilder you before them and allow you to be overcome. Now behold, I have made you a fortified city, and like an iron pillar, and like bronze walls against the whole land, against the successive kings of Judah, against its leaders, against its priests, and against the people of the land, giving you divine strength, which no hostile power can overcome. They will fight against you, but they will not ultimately prevail over you. For I am with you always to protect you and deliver you, says the Lord. I want to bring your attention to Isaiah 43, and again I read from the Amplified. This is what the Lord your Creator says, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear For I have redeemed you from captivity. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt to the Babylonians as your ransom. Cush, ancient Ethiopia, and Sheba, its province, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight. You are honored, and I love you. I will give other men in return for you, and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, where they are scattered, all and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Bring out the people who are blind, even 
they, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together, so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them, the idolaters, can predict this, that Judah would return from captivity, and proclaim to us the former events? Let them provide their witnesses so that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, in acknowledgment, it is the truth. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God form, and there will be none after me. I, only I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. I have declared the future and saved the nation and proclaimed that I am God, and there was no strange alien God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses among the pagans, declares the Lord, that I am God. Even from eternity, I am he. And there is none. <clears throat> I rebuke you, devil. Go. <laughs> Even from eternity, I am he. And there is no one who can rescue from my hand. I act. And who can revoke or reverse it? This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says. For your sake, I have sent one to Babylon. And I will bring down all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, who reign in Babylon, into the ships over which they rejoiced. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters... He who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty warrior, they will lie down together, they will not rise again. They have been extinguished, they have been put out like a lamp's wick. Do not remember the former things, or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a rod in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me. Jackals and ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people whom I formed for myself will make known my praise. Yet you have not called me on me in prayer and worship, O Jacob, but you have grown weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep or goats for your burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings, nor wearied you with demands for offerings of incense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money, nor have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your wickedness. I, only I, am he who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Remind me of your merits with a thorough report. Let us plead and argue our case together. State your position that you may be proved right. Your first father, Jacob, sinned. And your spokesmen, the priests and the prophets, your mediators, have transgressed against me. So I will profane the officials of the sanctuary and I will consign Jacob to destruction, and I will subject Israel to defamation and abuse. God is telling his people, here's what's going to happen. I will do. Here's my position. And he's telling the people, state your position. Declare your position. Make it known. Make it known. Come, let's sit together. When God created... In the beginning of Genesis, God created, you know, the seven days, the six days of creation, and the seventh day, the rest. God made me start reading this and looking into this, and I couldn't put it together at first, and, and I'm still not sure it was going to be with the message, and at the end, I now see what he was doing. In Genesis 1, I'm going to read, and me amplify it again. In the beginning, Elohim created God created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. 
The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was pleasing and useful, and he affirmed and sustained it. And God separated the light, distinguishing it from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. So this happens on the first day of creation. Verses uh, 6 through 13 describe the creation days 2 and 3. And then in verse 14, we read that it says, Then God said, Let there be light bearers, sun, stars, in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be useful for signs, tokens of God's provident care, and for marking seasons, days, and years. And let them be useful as lights in the expanse of the heavens to provide light on the earth. And it was so, just as he commanded. God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day, and the lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. He made the galaxies of stars also, that is, all the amazing wonders in the heavens. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to provide light upon the earth, to rule over the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw, and he affirmed and sustained it. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. Verses 20 through 30 go on in the rest to, to describe the rest of, cre- of the days of creation. And then verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And he validated it completely. And it was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. Now God pointed out to me that day one he creates light. When I read that on the fourth day in verse 14, on the fourth day he creates the light bearers, I began to wonder to myself, what did, were they created on the first day or the fourth day? The point that God was getting to me was he appointed the light bearers over what he created on the first day. They're, they had a purpose. They had a job. And their purpose was to provide light. The light that God created on the first day, their purpose was to mark seasons and days and years. Their purpose, as God commanded them, was to shine that light on the earth, was to illuminate the earth. And one, the great light was to rule the day, and the lesser light, the moon, was to rule the night. Now, this is just their orientation, their creation, their purpose was their orientation. But the scripture clearly tells us that God affirmed it. God sustained it. The, light, the source of the light was God. The source of all things created come from God. The lights were orientated in their place to do a purpose, to fulfill God's commandment. And I noticed that his word created the light. It's him. It says that he affirmed it. He sustained it. All of his creation, he looks at and he saw that it was good because he created it. I said, God, why are you showing me this? There was a distinction between light and dark. Bodies of light had a purpose to enforce the distinction, that purpose, the orientation that they were placed in. If God is the source of the light and if God affirms the light, why do people worship the sun and the moon and the stars instead? Because the devil has deceived, has tricked people from their orientation, their created orientation, where they should be worshiping God, the creator, the father of lights. He's tricked people into worshiping the creation. And the orientation, their relationship with God is, is in error. Sin, the word sin means to miss the mark. 
and God began to show me how many people in the Bible were in different positions when God used them to write certain parts of the Bible, certain books, their participation in certain stories, where they were in position, in their position, in their orientation at the moment that they were used by God. And the first person that I see that's mentioned of being in prison in the Bible was Joseph. No doubt his orientation is is seen throughout his story. In Joseph, in Genesis 39, 20 through 22, you can see that he was cast into prison. His brothers, you know, betrayed him, cast him into a pit. He went from one minute he's he's leading a flock, or he's, you know, he's on an errand to check on his brothers, and then the next moment he's his orientation has changed. His position has changed, and he's at the bottom of a pit. And in a, a matter of moments, hours maybe, he's, he's bound hand and foot a sold person on his way to slavery. In a matter of moments, he finds himself being sold in a market to some official in Egypt. And his life continues to change, and his orientation seems to change when he's cast into prison for an accusation. But if you follow his story, you see that position, again, changes by God's hand, by God's spirit. And he has moved from the bottom of of his situation, and he has given a promotion, and he's raised in authority and respect in the house of Egypt. His position kept changing, but if you'll notice his orientation from the very beginning when he was reciting his dreams was on God. His orientation, his relationship was hinged on God. I see other men, other people, other prophets throughout the Bible like Samson. He was in prison. God used him in his freedom, but some kind of strange judgment came upon the temple while Samson was in chains, while he was a prisoner. See, Samson's orientation wasn't to the pillars of the temple. His orientation was pivoted on God. His situation changed, but his orientation remained in God, despite his own mistakes. His orientation stayed on God. Prophet Hanai, he was in prison for speaking God's rebuke to King Asa in Second Chronicles 16.10. King Manasseh is in prison and then repents there. God restores him back into his, his, his leadership role in, in Israel in Second Chronicles 33.11-13. Moses found himself a fugitive. One minute his his position is in in the house of the the Pharaoh in Egypt. And then in a moment's time, in a moment's notice, overnight finds himself fleeing for his life, a fugitive, running into a wilderness, most likely with nothing but the clothes on his back. You see that in Exodus 2.15. Ahab, the king of Israel, the rest of the prophet Micaiah in Second Chronicles 18.25, verse Kings 22, verse 26, you see another prophet is in prison, arrested. Held. He never makes it to the prison, but he's, he's arrested because of his, his word that God told him to give the king. Prison and inflicted in Jeremiah 31.33, verse 1. And you see it in chapters 37 and 38. Because of his obedience, because of being an oracle of God, a messenger of God, a mouthpiece, a prophet for God. But in that, Jeremiah, his orientation was God, the word of God. John the Baptist, 
greatest of all the prophets of the Old Testament, as declared by Jesus, found himself in prison in Matthew 11, too. And we see that the books of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon, they have a name, the prison epistles, because they were written by the Apostle Paul while he was in jail. Peter was in prison. See that in Acts 12, 5 through 8, Paul was in prison. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. And Jesus, you can read that in Mark 14, 46 to 49. Now, is this, is this all to tell you about prison and confinement? No. I'm talking to you about orientation on Christ. Orientation. Our relationship to God is seen in our orientation to Jesus Christ. Christ, the Word of God. John, the Revelator, also most likely the Apostle John, the Beloved, was sent to the Isle of Patmos. The Isle of Patmos was one of three islands used at the time as a form of punishment or isolation, where they sent political criminals, political prisoners, and they were banished. And this is where he receives, John receives and writes the Revelation of Jesus. You can read that in Revelation 1.9. Their positions at any given moment might be under arrest, might be in prison, might be in isolation, it might be social distancing. But their orientation was on Christ. And you see it. Isaiah 45, 5-12 in the King James, I read, I am the Lord, is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there was none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto them that striveth with the master, with his maker. Woe unto them that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou? For thy work, he hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. During their existence, the people of God have been a small, tiny group. They have been a huge nation of millions. You see, at one time it was just Abram and Sarai. When God called them to be his people And there was a time when the people of God They, they were a, a wandering homeless few No place to call their own With nothing but the clothes on their back Or their basic You know when, when When they ran Through the wilderness On their own they have, But they have been chased like fugitives Across wildernesses And they have been uh, They have been then they have also been respected. The people of God have gone from extremes and become uh, a respectable, fortified armies and, and cities. And they were at times worshippers of idols and of demons that they that they found in their neighboring communities. But they were also, in their wise moments, they found they found their way back to God in faithfulness. To the one true God. See, Israel has played the part of that insecure youth who, who 
follows and listens to everything that their peers tell them to in error. But Israel has also been the godly example of strength that all the world witnessed and wondered at. Israel won her freedom from bondage by God's hand out of Egypt. But it also, you see, it fell back into slavery and captivity. The position of Israel kept changing. And you'll see that their orientation kept changing. The relationship with God was seen in the ebb and flow and the, the rise and fall of her walk with God. Acts 16, verses 16 through 40 says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out of the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he threw out, his, threw out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they sprang, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. And rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans. And have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison, and entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Now this is a message, a word of God to someone listening. It's it's not so much a message, message about being captive or being free. Although deliverance is the inheritance that we boast is of God through faith in Jesus. This message isn't one about you know living and walking by faith and not by sight. Although we do. It's not a message about spiritual versus physical. 
although it's clear, it's evident. See, Jesus told his his disciples, his excited students, you know, when they when they were being trained and they were sent out and they returned. Jesus, he said to his disciples, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we don't follow God because of miracles. We don't we don't preach the word of God and share the gospel with people because of the miracles or because of one thing or another. We share it because our relationship to God, our orientation to God, is all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all him or nothing. It's See, God says, see, I have called you. God says, listen, I've told you. God says, go where I tell you to go. Say what I tell you to say. Because before our birth, before we had a conscience to know what was going on, God already appointed, he already anointed you for a mission, for a purpose. And whether... Whether anything going on, wherever it's at, whether it's on the mountains or on the seas, whether it's in the cities or in villages, whether it's in a marriage or in, in youth, a childhood, whether it's in hospitals or in marketplaces, whether it's in freedom or whether it's in a prison cell, whether it's in sickness or in wellness, whether it's in the offices or in the streets, whether it's daytime or nighttime, poverty or in wealth, whether in the king's mansion on a sidewalk in a cardboard box, whether there's success or failure, whether it's in the body or in the spirit, whether it's in the mind or your heart, whether it's in your hand or your feet, whether it's out in the field with the livestock or at the bottom of an empty pit, whether it's happening with a slave or a free person, whether we're talking about a king or a merchant, whether the condition is strength or weakness, whether the place is a large crowd or, or in solitude. Whether it's in, there's interceding and, and warfare in the spirit or whether it's later on in testimonies about it. Whether it's in a trial or whether it's afterward in the breakthrough. We have to make our orientation Jesus. Orientation is Jesus. Everything relates to Jesus. Everything goes back to Jesus. Jesus at the center and at the core no matter what. Joseph had dreams. The dreams affected him. And they affected his family. They began to affect his relationships in the family. Then his freedom got affected. His place in the family was affected. He was cut off. His reality was affected. It kept being affected. His position kept changing. Turvy it would almost be. If you follow the progression of Joseph's story all the way to his old age, he had a diverse life. But his orientation, you will see, was on God. He was oriented to the Word of God. And everything around him was affected because he was oriented to God. He was sustained by God. He was affirmed by God. He was kept by God all the way. Jesus must be Lord of all. Jesus must be Lord through it all. Through it all. Headline, God bless you. I pray that God shows you what he's trying to tell, what he wants you to know this morning. Our orientation is on Jesus as Lord, oriented, orientated, or oriented on Jesus as Lord, simply put, oriented on Jesus as Lord, despite the position. See, the position will change. It will be affected by what we're orientated on, and the world will see it. That's why, that's why the Word of God says constantly, they will see that I am your God, and you are my people. Amen. Praise God. Uh, headline. Uh, 
be orientated on God. Just be orientated in relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow in Jesus' name. Always something trying to steal my mood. My crazy thoughts trying to kill my groove. That's when I hear a voice whisper through the noise that brings a bigger picture into view. Whenever the clouds come close to my mind, I won't forget it's you who tells the sun to shine. Every word, every night, every second thought about tomorrow's waking Me.